the fact that we have 64 million working age adults with a high school diploma or less. Uh, what you find is students are your greatest advertisement. Your customers are your greatest advertisement. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. Welcome back to In the Know with ACCT. In this episode, Dr. Monty Sullivan, president of the Louisiana Community and Technical College System, talks with ACCT senior policy analyst Allison Beer about the underrepresentation of rural males in higher education. ACCT just released an issue brief on the subject supported by the Strata Education Network. The paper is available on our website now. So at ACCT, we've been working on some research about uh, rural males and community colleges and the specific supports that colleges can offer to them to help them get on campus and be successful in college and in connecting to career afterwards. So we featured Louisiana in our one of our reports and we're excited to talk to Dr. Sullivan more today. Uh, so we're gonna start off with, when we were doing this research, we were looking at some data and really concerned about the different attainment rates and enrollment rates for rural males on college campuses. So in 2015, there's some data that shows only 25% of males in rural areas had earned an associate's degree or higher. Um, Dr. Sullivan, what are some of the challenges that rural males face in degree attainment? So first of all, thank you for focusing on this population because there, there are clearly from the data two populations that are lagging behind the rest of the nation in terms of enrollment and pursuit of a college credential or high value certification. That is the rural white male and the African American male. We're seeing significant numbers of uh, or reductions in those in the number of people from those categories who are participating in post-secondary education. It should be alarming to all of us uh, across any category that we see reductions in in in, in uh, student populations pursuing a credential. I think it really comes back to a question of why do students attend the institution in the first place? Uh, the, the typical. Um, student within our community and technical college system in Louisiana is about 27 years of age. Uh, we've seen that age increase over time. What we're beginning to see more and more now is the particularly the male student and the older male student uh, is beginning to pursue workforce non-credit credentials as compared to degrees. Uh, at this point most of our students who show up at 27, 28, 29 years of age really are not interested in staying at the college for two years. They have, two, they have life commitments outside of the institution that requires them to pay bills, to take care of kids, to do all of the things that sort of life happens along the way. Uh, and, and so that group doesn't show up at our doorstep saying I'm gonna spend two years at the college or three years at the college to get an associate degree. Instead, their mindset is help me to get a certification that allows me to go to work, make a good living for my family, and then they come back. So it's the process of how we move people from eight bucks an hour to 15 bucks an hour with that first certification, and then have them return to the college to get the next level certification or the next level credential that allows them to move from 15 bucks an hour to 25. And then from there, perhaps into an associate degree, mid-level management, those kinds of things that, that help them to begin to move into the middle class. So when you think of the, the hurdles that are in place in front of those, those uh, rural white males in particular, geography is a challenge. Uh, financing is a challenge. Time is still the biggest deterrent to student success. Time. These are students that life happens to them. The longer they enroll in a program, the more likely they are to, to be derailed, if you will, by life. 
if you think of it, if the average student in community and technical colleges across the country is 27, and we tend to see the, the numbers in, in that range, think about what has happened with that individual from the age of 18, where they graduated high school likely, to the age of 27, 28. There's an entire decade of life that has happened in there. Many times students have attended college or, or universities in, in, the, in, in other places by the time they wound up at the college. But that decade uh, has, has, um, has likely seen uh, children, has likely seen debt in some form or fashion, uh, has likely has put them in a position in, in some cases where they are incarcerated. And so all of these things that happen in life is that sort of lost decade. And, and if you think about the rural white male in particular, uh, they are impacted at least as much as the general population. Uh, so uh, geography and our ability to communicate with this population is another challenge uh, that, that, has, uh, that has been evident for us in Louisiana. Uh, but it really, it takes uh, targeted focus points to try to reach out to that group. So one of the things that we did uh, in Louisiana was to reach into the Future Farmers of America, which is a national organization uh, that has broad uh, impact in the high schools in Louisiana. We have 40,000 students who graduate high school every year in our state. There are 10,000 of those that never show up at college within three years. And so what we realized was a large portion of that total were white males in rural communities. And so how do you get at that group best? You go to the student clubs and student organizations. So any student who graduates high school and is a, a member in good standing of the Future Farmers of America, we give them an immediate $500 scholarship. Uh, it is not a, a merit-based scholarship. It's not a, a um, I'm sorry, it's not a need-based scholarship. Uh, it is instead a, a way to reach a population that we know uh, is aligned with uh, a, an organization that we think uh, has a, a large number of the folks that we're trying to attract into our organization. Uh, likewise, we uh, reached out and developed a great working relationship with the folks at Country Music Television, CMT, uh, who have been just tremendous partners with us. Uh, developed a, an eight-stop tour around the state of Louisiana in some of the rural, most rural parts of our state uh, where we had a tour with a local talent, a Louisiana talent, that would attract people to the campus who had never been there before. So in a small town in central Louisiana, small town of Gina, only a couple thousand people in that town, there were 300 people who showed up in the gymnasium to hear uh, this young lady from Louisiana sing. But before there was a concert, there was a conversation about what was happening uh, at the college. There were applications available for those individuals. They could fill out the application right there on an iPad. Uh, we were able to capture information in, in terms of contact, background uh, of all of those folks who showed up. So when you think of the impact of attracting people onto campus, the first time that they have ever set foot on a college campus for many of these folks, it is a, it is a, a unique experience for them as well as for us as a college. Uh, and I, I think the one final point I'd make about the folks at CMT, we offered a $500 scholarship in the very, uh, for, for every student who came to us via that eight-stop tour. The folks at CMT immediately matched that with $500 for a $1,000 scholarship in the, in the very first semester. Finding ways to say to adults, the doors are wide open to the, at this institution to you, uh, particularly to rural white males, but, but also to the public at large to try to attract them into the college to say, we want you on our, at our college. But the one point, and this is where uh, perhaps maybe we can uh, we spend additional time today, is the college has to be ready to serve adults. Mm -hmm. And largely, I think uh, we have we've spent much of our, our last um, you know, 60 or 70 years as a sector emulating universities. 
if you think about our processes and the, the kind of focus that, that, that we have had, we have been largely small universities. The reality is we have a mission that is very different than universities, and I think it can help us to serve this population uh, much better if, if we adjust that mission. I think that's so interesting, you know, thinking about your partnership with country music television and also how do we better serve adult students who are coming in. A lot of times when you hear about outreach um, for community colleges or universities, that conversation is about how do we get into the high schools, how do we get into the middle schools to develop early on a college-going culture, but sometimes that outreach needs to happen later in life. So what was the aha moment? What did the strategy look like to you know, think outside of the box in terms of recruitment for older students? So great, great question. And I think this is one of the areas where we heard over and over from industry, the same thing that many of my colleagues from around the country hear from their business community. We need a skilled workforce. And, and people from industry will say it in a whole host of different ways. But the reality is it comes back to demographics. And so when you're finally able to paint the picture of demographics for Louisiana, what you find is a state of 4.6 million people. We have 2.3 million working age adults. And of those 2.3 million working age adults, we have 1.2 million who have a high school diploma or less. We graduate 40,000 students from high school every year. So which population are you going to go after? So when people say the economy is improving, therefore our enrollment is declining, it's a myth. Right. There's yeah. very little data to suggest that that college enrollments are declining as a result, a causal relationship as a result of the economy improving. If the, if the college is offering the right curriculum aligned with the industry needs, aligned with the needs of the regional economy, as the economy grows, so too will enrollment. I think that's interesting as well. You know, we hear that a lot, that in times of you know, uh, troubled economy that enrollment goes up because people make a choice between work or education and education seems like the better bet when work isn't so great. Um, but now with changing economies, especially in rural areas, maybe moving less, uh, moving away from kind of traditional agriculture and manufacturing, we'll probably see a lot more rural students looking to either enter education for the first time or continue education. So I'm curious to hear what some of your strategies are around sure. adapting to changing needs. Yeah, it, this has been the focus of, of, our, of our system for probably the last five years in particular. Um, in going back to 2010, um, the state of Louisiana moved responsibility for adult basic education to our colleges. And when they made that move, uh, there were a whole host of, of challenges and hurdles to overcome. But what it did was it put adult students on our college campuses to earn the high school equivalency. But that wasn't enough. We fundamentally changed the entire discussion in forming something that we refer to as Work Ready U. Uh, to move away from the notion of high school completion and get to the notion of skills. How do we get someone the certification that's going to allow them to, to, uh, to be able to work and take care of their families? That transition is one that has now reached a, a level where one in five of our college enrollees came from our Work Ready U program. Uh, we're seeing a significant number of adults who are coming through the, the, the adult basic education uh, sphere into our colleges and credit enrollments, and we're seeing uh, pretty significant levels of co-enrollment of students. Uh, we have board policy has, has uh, adapted over time. Uh, we no longer require the high school diploma to be, for students to be enrolled in our colleges. That's a pretty significant step. Right. Uh, we did that because we know that we have an adult demographic problem in Louisiana that we must solve. It's an economic imperative, it's a social imperative, it's all the other things that we talk about. But our policies are standing in the way. Uh, the financial aid policy is another example. 
federal financial aid policy in particular. Um, when, when we had the, uh, the reinstatement of the uh, ability to benefit provisions, they, there is a portion of the ability to benefit provision that allows for students to enroll in six college credits, not receive federal financial aid, but if they demonstrate success in those courses with a C or better, they're able to earn eligibility for uh, Pell, assuming that they are financially uh, in need. We set aside 5% of our last tuition increase as a fund for what we refer to as 5 for 6. That is, we pay the 750 bucks for a student to take two courses. This is a student without a high school diploma. Uh, typically, the, this student averages in the early 30s in terms of age. They typically have dependents. They typically have a couple of jobs, and we are we're putting that we're putting down $750 of the college's resources in making a bet on that individual's life. That's what it amounts to. What we're seeing is success levels for these adults at at a at a, at a range and a rate that is much higher than our traditional uh, student population in terms of both success in the six credits, uh, retention, uh, graduation. Completion of a, of a credential. Uh, I think largely uh, the, these are populations that are going after the short-term certifications because they are interested in going to work. Uh, you know, the, the, the world for rural America is getting smaller. Uh, and if, if you think of the, the, the impact of, of uh, social media, just as one example, uh, you know, that, that social media impact in rural northeast Louisiana uh, has been tremendous when you think about how it has brought the world uh, to the hands, literally, uh, as you hold your phone uh, in, in your hand. It, is, it has fundamentally changed the discussion. I expect that with everything from artificial intelligence to the changing workplace, we're going to see at least as much change uh, in, the, in the five to ten years that, that are uh, ahead of us. And in particular, we cannot allow the, the population that is in rural America uh, to be left behind as the economy changes, as the workplace changes, and really, if you think of it, place will matter less in the next 10 years than it has mattered in the last 10 years. And so is it possible that folks in rural communities are able to stay there, make a living, uh, take care of their families, enjoy the lifestyle that they grew up in without having to move to the metropolitan centers? Uh, as we've seen, these small rural communities all across the country lose their younger population. So education is the answer. The evolving workplace and economy perhaps is, is, a, is a catalyst. You touched on brain drain a little bit there, right? Like I think that there's a concern in rural communities, especially that when you educate people in your community, you risk losing them to the urban areas where there are more jobs. So what do good jobs look like in rural communities in Louisiana, the good ones that people would want to stick around for? Absolutely. So what, what we've seen in, in Louisiana over the last seven or eight years in particular, obviously I think uh, most of the listeners probably understand that our economy has been driven for decades uh, by the oil and gas petrochemical industry. And that continues to be the case, particularly south of Interstate 10, uh, the southern coastal uh, regions. But what we're really beginning to see is, is the, coast, the, the coastal economy, if you will, the maritime economy, uh, the river economy, all of those are driving the rural, uh, the local rural economies in a, in a pretty significant way. We're also beginning to see growth in the IT sector. Uh, we've seen a number of, of different aspects of the IT sector that have, that have emerged in Louisiana, particularly along the northern uh, Interstate 20 corridor from the, from the western side of the state in Shreveport Bossier uh, to the Monroe uh, area with, with companies like CenturyLink headquartered in Monroe. Uh, we have uh, you know, significant partnerships with General Dynamics in the Shreveport Bossier area with the Parksville Air Force Base. Uh, we literally have Bossier Parish Community College with uh, a 1,000 uh, Cyber Innovation Center and a, and a uh, General Dynamics partnership that has 1,000 employees 
in cybersecurity on the college campus. So the collective campus uh, involves a business partner, a college, and Cyber Innovation Center representing a broad spectrum of, of, um, of corporate partners. I'm going to walk back a little bit. You know, we talked about some challenges that adult students face when they get on campus, and that could be, you know, time with other family commitments. It could be finances, and it sounds like you all are providing financial services to help a lot of your students. What other services or strategies do Louisiana colleges use to support older students who may have, you know, different needs than younger students? So. If you think of it, access for many of our rural students is largely about uh, geography. And so ensuring that there are campuses within uh, a, a short drive is, is a big issue. Uh, we have, have uh, struggled over the years with a number of smaller campuses that are small rural. Um, what, what I am most proud of is that our board took you know, big steps and strides to ensure that those local campuses were going to remain viable, that they were going to remain a part of that community. Because as that local campus closes, uh, that community has very little hope because education is the source of how they, they establish themselves and continue uh, that, that community as vibrant. Uh, in addition to that, transportation services are, are critically important. Child care services are important. Uh, the you know the the entire range. Uh, one of the, the the groups that we have been uh, very fortunate to interact with and to and to learn from is Single Stop. Uh, Single Stop as an organization has really helped us to rethink the notion of what resources someone needs in order to be able to attend college ensuring that, that students are aware of all the benefits that are available to them that help them to fund education that goes well beyond the traditional Pell Grant or need-based aid from states uh, or even loans. Instead, to look at all of the broad range uh, of services that are available to them and making sure that our student services professionals are knowledgeable about those services so that students get the information that they're looking for right there at the local campus. So the campus becomes more than simply a, a place for instruction. It becomes a place for help and opportunity. Hey, I just want to take a second to remind everyone that ACCT's GLI is happening March 11th through 13th, 2019 at Portland Community College in Oregon. This is an opportunity for boards and presidents to learn about key legal, regulatory, and policy issues associated with safeguarding college campuses with respect to natural disasters, violence on campus, and more. For more information, go to www.acctgli.org to register. A lot of times the conversation about rural campuses and geography issues um, will lead into a conversation about distance ed or satellite campuses. How do we ensure that students have access to those sorts of new models, but also have a sense of community mm -hmm. with their campus? So it, it, it's an interesting question, and I, I think as, as colleges, we have to be uh, willing and able to provide both. We cannot simply say we're going to serve the rural community with distance delivery. That's not an answer uh, because it will be an answer for some people in the rural communities, but it will not be an answer for, uh, for all. And I would argue uh, today in looking at some of the demographics for our colleges, it is not a complete answer uh, for most of our students. In fact, what we see is most of our students are willing to take a couple of courses online, one or two per semester, but for the most part program-wise, they, they need to be in a classroom, in a lab, in a, in a clinical experience, in a, an internship, a co-op of some type, uh, hands-on. 
And it's not that that can't be delivered electronically. Uh, there are some who have done that very well. Uh, but it's, it's the student reaching a point of comfort uh, in, the, in that kind of a classroom setting. I think it really requires that we advance the, the notion of distance delivery and what it really means, electronic delivery. Um, and, and not only that, but also continue to be able to offer the local resources at that local campus and allow those to complement one another. Hybrid courses are much more the norm on our rural campus uh, uh, campuses than distance delivery 100% uh, or even 100% uh, classroom and, and uh, brick and mortar type delivery. You mentioned that a lot of your rural students and older students who are coming in are seeking your workforce skills or workforce credentials. Right. For students who may not have that clear of a sense yet of the jobs they want, what are some strategies that you see as working to help these students connect to the local industries that are thriving? So the there really are two, two strategies that we've used. One is to align the college's offerings with the local economy. And the way that we have done that is by rating our um, uh, occupations in Louisiana, using our, our uh, data from the Louisiana uh, Workforce Commission, on a star rating system, with one star being the least in demand and lowest in wage, and five star being the highest in demand and highest wage. Ultimately, going through the significant budget reductions that we've seen, uh, we have eliminated hundreds of programs that were not in demand. And so instead of a student showing up at our college and having to decide among a menu of options, some of which might be in demand and some of which might not, uh, almost by budget fiat, we find ourselves in a place where our programs are aligned with the economy. 67, 68% of the students uh, who completed programs were five star. There will always be a need for those programs that are in the middle range. Early childhood education is a great example. Not the highest demand, certainly not the highest wage, but it's really important to the local economy that we have good, healthy child care for the population uh, that we serve. And so while it's not a five-star program, it certainly is a great deal of need. So having uh, folks enroll in those kinds of programs are important. So alignment is one big issue. The second point that, that I think is important is developing business partnerships in a way that we know what offerings industry is interested in from the beginning. Begin with the end in mind is, is sort of the, the concept. And so we have, we have begun a process of measuring our business partnerships on an annual basis so that we know the kinds of relationships that our colleges have with business owners. Not just simply going down and sitting and having a cup of coffee maybe at a chamber meeting, but instead a real roll up your sleeves and understand the kinds of skill sets that industry is looking for, the kind of equipment that they're uh, using, or what kind of hiring patterns do they see over the next three to five years. Those kinds of in-depth discussions that help the college leadership to understand the needs of business, but also helps business to understand the needs of college so that there's really a partnership there. I think those two are, are really important strategies. We've seen them pay off uh, in a pretty significant way. Great. You mentioned childcare and healthcare. Now, so we're talking about rural males specifically, and I think those are two industries that are growing, but often thought of as you know, pink collar jobs, right? right. Uh, industries and jobs that have typically gone to uh, females and not been male-dominated professions. Right. Um, how do we change the culture around these professions and help you know, men who may be interested and skilled in those areas get into these jobs, despite you know the typical. Uh, pink collar stereotype. Sure. So a couple of ways, and I'm going to flip it in the other direction. Sure. We've developed programs, uh, you know, women in welding, as an example, is a, is a classic example. And what the employers tell us is, send us more, more uh, ladies in in the welding industry. We'll, we'll hire as many as you can can uh, can send us. Uh, likewise, we're beginning to see more and more males in in the nursing fields, as an example, or in the healthcare fields. Uh, 
it, it has become much more uh, recession-proof, I think. You know, going back to the, the mid-2000s, the 2007 timeframe with the Great Recession, uh, you saw construction industry uh, decline uh, significantly. Many of the rural white males who were in those construction industries or in the agriculture industry uh, saw declines in the number of jobs and opportunities, and so they began to shift. We're already seeing the demographics change in a way. Uh, but at the same time, we're seeing more of the females that are making moves into some of the more non-traditional fields for females as well. So it is not as significant as, it, as the economy requires. We have to, to take on uh, some of those challenges. We developed, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Louisiana needs uh, a more strong, uh, educated, strong women uh, initiative that, that really was, I think, a, 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 a significant push to, to have uh, our female students enroll in STEM-related programs and particularly to focus on short-term certifications that allow them to be able to go directly into the workforce. Uh, on, the, on the male side, having those students show up and see the kinds of programs that are, are right there in front of them and also know what the earnings look like on the back end, the employment opportunities. Uh, this really comes down to a, a simple value proposition. And from the student's perspective, how much time and money do I need to invest in order to be able to earn a living and take care of my family? It is really just that simple. We spend a lot of time in, in our sector talking about how we push students through programs, through developmental education, or through gateway courses. The reality is it should be the economic pull that pulls students into the economy. Because when a student knows that there is a $50,000 job waiting at the end of the, of the completion of that credential, uh, the likelihood that they're going to complete is much higher than if there's a question mark at the end of completion of the credential. So I think aligning programs Giving students uh, more of those kinds of opportunities really helps pull them through those kinds of programs. Uh, but the, the stereotypes will take time to wear off. I, I'm convinced of that. If you had any sage advice or you know, one to two strategies that you could give to other colleges struggling with these issues around rural male enrollment and attainment, what would you tell them? I would, I would say first uh, that you, you have to go to where these students uh, are and you're not likely to find them down at the local high school. Uh, the real issue that we have in this nation in the skills gap is the fact that we have 64 million working age adults with a high school diploma or less. And so what I would encourage folks to do is focus on the adult population, uh, focus on ensuring that your college is adult student friendly, uh, that, that that is the primary focus, not the secondary focus. Uh, and you know the, the second thing that I, that I would encourage folks to do is 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 tear down the traditional higher education speak, because oftentimes this adult market, particularly in rural communities, because they are oftentimes first generation, we have created an entire language that is foreign to this group. Uh, make it easy for students to enroll. Make it easy for students to attend, uh, and give them programs that are value add. To their life, and I think what you'll see is those students will be attracted to uh, to you know your college, and ultimately, it's much like the restaurant industry. Uh, what you find is students are your greatest advertisement. Your customers are your greatest advertisement. A good experience at the college, and I can assure you, they're going to share that message over and over again uh, with with friends and family and colleagues. That will ultimately lead to even more uh, you know, adults showing up at the college. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sullivan. This has been a wonderful conversation talking about rural males in community colleges. Allison, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. For more information on rural males in higher education, visit acct.org publications and click reports and white papers. 
As always, thank you for listening to this episode of In The Know. We'll see you next week.